I need you to listen to this for me. Like we're friends, and and I feel like this could really help you if you listen to this podcast episode. She read some Harry Potter fan fiction, and that's not that's not clean stuff. I know what goes on on those websites. Like they'll give somebody like a three piece suit and a pocket watch or something, and you're like, what do you mean? This is his new look. How could that be his new look? You know, someone turns a corner to their cat, and the cat says, "Well, ha!" Like a southern gentleman, and I love that. Hello, and welcome to People You May Know. My guest today is my good friend Mark. Mark is a bug bugintist, bug scientist. I'm not really. I know it's like entomologist or something, but it's like that sounds like entom- entomans and. Is that even impressive sounding? I mean, really, shouldn't we be calling this something else? And then aren't there other etymologists, like things that sound too close and it's like, what are we even doing here? Let's just scrap it all. Bugantist. Okay. So I have my friend Mark on the podcast. We talk about many, many a things, many a things. We have known each other as long as I've known any of my other freaking friends. If you didn't learn by now, I met them all in the same goddamn place. Okay. Stop hounding me about where I met these people. It's all in the same place. All right. The Hollywood handbook forum, get over it. His name on the Hollywood handbook forum was spunky Foonerism, which I didn't know what a spoonerism was. I still kind of do. I mean, the name is a spoonerism, I guess. So I should just get it. But I'm one of those people like I have a low IQ, I assume. So I don't pick up on patterns and things. But it's a cool name. He had a lot of great, great posts on the forum. And that's, that's how we became friends. I mean, that's how I assess all of my friends. I first find them on a forum, read through every post and decide if they are worthy of my adoration. So here's the thing with Mark. Um, we get into fights a lot. Okay. On the Marco Pollo app, we frequently battle and now are they theatrical scenes with a jokey vibe? Yes. Are they uncomfortable? For everyone watching them? Yes. Is there real anger involved? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, from my side, there's pretty much always real anger involved. But I can't tell if it's like real, real anger. If it's like, or if it like comes out that way because... Well, now I've been fake angry for so long that my brain is like, hold on a minute. Are we angry about something? Get get out of my way. I'm going to fight. You know, so then it just like convinces me that I'm actually really mad. It's hard to say. Psychology is complicated. Okay. Yeah, I have a bachelor's in psychology, but for the master's, I went, you know what? I'm doing social work. Psychology is too hard. That's not what really happened. You guys can probably figure that's not really how I made that decision. But but you know what? On Beauty and the Geek, one of the geeks called psychology a cake major. 
And that's always stuck with me. So I think that's part of the reason I'm not proud of myself. You know, none of my accomplishments matter because I do the thing that any old idiot could do. You know, anyone with an IQ over 45 and mine's probably right around there. So anyway, enjoy the freaking show. All right, Mark, I am starting you off with some questions that are very unique to you because you're a secretive person. Okay. Maybe not by choice. Maybe it's just the others around you force you to be secretive, but either way that that's how it turns out. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, which would be the harder secret to keep? Okay. Working for the CIA or working for the mob? I feel like working for the CIA would be harder to keep because if I was in the mob, presumably a lot of my friends would be in those kinds of circles. Or I guess I would feel more pressure to actually keep it if I was in the CIA. If I was in the mob, I feel like it would it would only really be officially secret, but everybody that I was friends with would know. You know what I mean? Like the CIA, you're supposed to keep it secret from your family. And, you know, if you're in the mob, presumably your family knows. That's true. They pretend they don't. But right. you're like, where's yep. all the money coming from? Right. And, and I probably married somebody who was already in, a, you know, um, in the mob in some capacity in that scenario. So, yeah. Okay. Sound logic. How about this? Harder secret to keep being abducted by an alien or having seen Bigfoot. And now you have to accept that this is a secret you want to keep. In these situations, these are all going to be secrets that you want to keep for one reason or another. So these ones I'm thinking you don't want to come across as crazy. So you think, God, I can't tell anybody. But part of you really wants to. Or maybe something happened that I, that would turn it into a shameful secret. Like yeah, I made out with Bigfoot or something like that. Or a, a alien yeah. be, beat me at checkers or something that I wouldn't want to be. Yeah. And you know, it's going to come out because you think, oh, well, I can just tell people I saw Bigfoot. But then next thing you know, you're going and he had really soft lips, too. And they're like, what? And so, you know, it's going to slip. Very scratchy mustache. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that I would have a harder time keeping the Bigfoot one a secret because I'm kind of a naturalist walking in the woods guy. So I would be, I feel like that's one where I would feel both a professional obligation as a scientist and like a guy who walks in the woods and, and all of that stuff that I would feel yeah. some, some sense of like, I've got to share this. This is like the coolest thing I ever found in the woods. And the alien thing, I think that that would be too over the top and, and I would I would be able to tamp that down. Yeah, you. I feel like you know no one would believe you about the alien thing, where it's like, you of all people, if you said you saw Bigfoot, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, you're constantly posting about mushrooms you've seen and stuff. Like, why or would you lie about dude it? that I saw like two weeks ago, the <laughs> dude at, on lunch break, I was doing a lunch break walk and saw a guy uh, completely naked, uh, straddling a big log in the woods and masturbating. Um, I would have rather seen Bigfoot. Maybe, maybe he was a Bigfoot. Maybe I he, mean, yeah. Maybe he shaved all his hair off. You know, maybe he just looks like a regular guy, like a 
regular yeah. naked guy. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. But you know what? This does add to, like, I think you're right. You would tell people about Bigfoot. You're telling people about this guy. You know what I mean? It's a harder secret to keep. You saw him in the woods. Your life is the woods. I posted about the naked guy in, like, 10 minutes after I saw him. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I wouldn't keep any of these secrets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think you would. But you know what? In in this scenario where you have to for some reason, I, I believe that that one would be the easier secret to keep. Okay. Okay. Which would be a harder secret to keep? You can't read or you can't see. Like, may, you can see, but everything's blurry. It's one of those things where... You're like, no, I don't need glasses, but uh-oh. I, I would have said it would be hard to hide that you can't see. Yeah. For me, I think that that would be a tough one because so much of what I do, all the activities I do and my job are based on having fairly acute vision, looking at tiny things and trying to find a bug in the woods or looking at a bug under a microscope or any of that. If you can't see, then people would start to call you out pretty quickly. Like you described that totally wrong. We're all looking at it and you know, you're, you're the only one who thinks it looks the way you said. So well, you just go I'm colorblind or something and hope that that's like, Ooh, will they buy that's, it? That's true. Yeah. We have some friends who say they're colorblind and they might just fully be blind. Yeah. <laughs> Completely <laughs> full of it. Yeah. Um, and not being able to read. I feel like that's one a lot of people pull off successfully. So I, I feel like I could probably keep that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's what that that's one that people do. Like you find out like, oh, yeah, this guy is now, you know, my boss. And it turns out he graduated from college and doesn't never learn to read. Okay. Yeah. So that would be the part they might make a movie about or something is like, if you are trying to hide, you can't read the college years is going to be, that's going to be the time when we really are like, how did he get through this? But like you said, I think people do, I think it would be easier like later, like after school, because anytime someone wants you to read something for whatever reason, you can act like you're kind of just anxious. Like, Oh, I get too nervous. Read it to me. Like I have social anxiety. I can't read aloud or that kind of stuff. Right. And you can buy it. Voice to text. You can just, you know, in your in your out, outlook, just hit the button and have it read it, read your emails to you. So yeah, I think, I think that one's more, you could carry that off longer, I think, or I could in, in my job. Mm -hmm. All right. Really bad breath. Or urostomy bag. Which one are you having a harder time keeping a secret? Walk me through the second one. What what is that exactly? Ur the urostomy bag is when a person like maybe has an injury to their bladder, and so they no longer have to use a bathroom. It just goes straight into a bag that they carry around, and they have to empty it out every so often. So urostomy like urine ostomy not I, I was like my ostomy bag what are you <laughs> so, okay that is that's very helpful that'd um, be a good dad joke I feel like if you worked <laughs> in urology <laughs> right um, I think that yeah speaking of that I think there's some sort of like upcoming opportunity to look at Uranus in the sky um, so 
Okay. That's going to be a, an exciting. Dads out there are all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> frantically scribbling down. Okay, I'm going to be You're ready. Like, You're what? <laughs> I'm going to be ready for this. <laughs> um, and the, so the first one was really bad breath, like halitosis, okay. like diagnosed bad breath. I think I could hide the bag a lot easier. I, I tend to wear baggy clothes anyway, and you know, just that's. It's under my clothes or it's in the bathroom and that's a private space. Whereas my breath, although now we're in mask world and I've been discovering some things about my breath, <laughs> to, you know, sit and, and rebreathe, rebreathe my own air all the time. But, um, but yeah, I think that the breath gets out there whether yeah. you like it or not. Yeah. Even if you eat like a thousand Altoids, I don't think that's going to hide it very long. Um. The me bag, though, are you going to pretend you have to pee every so often? Are you going to be like, oh, gosh, me too, guys. Totally. <laughs> probably. I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably just time it like when it needs to get, when it needs to get emptied. Just be like, oh, oh, ow, whoa, my bladder's so full. Oh, I'm so uncomfortable. I totally know what this is like. And then I'd go dump my bag out and I'd dump it out really slow. So it made the tinkle sound and, you know, yeah. in case somebody was in the stall, the next stall over. What the? I got this all. Yeah. Now I have an immediate yeah. plan for this. I like the idea of exaggerating the like, oh, it hurts. I have to pee. <laughs> I think that'd be really good. I think people would enjoy that a lot. Just like all of you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Would it be harder to keep the secret that you have kissed a celebrity or that you have acted in a movie? In both of these situations, I'm thinking there's like a non-disclosure agreement for some period of time. Mm-hmm. I think I could... Well, kissing the celebrity would not be entirely up to me, because what if the celebrities bragged about it? In this situation, they're going, no one can know, for whatever uh, reason. Maybe they're they're married. In this scenario, you are not married, but they are. Their husband can't find out. Hmm. I'm not sure I like that. Oh, well, you kissed him, so. <laughs> it's You made your bed. I think the acting in a movie thing, because presumably that would, I would know that it was going to get out there someday and so it would just be waiting. So I think I could do that. Okay, you could do that. Yeah, if I knew that okay. it was like, oh, well, this is just me not, not letting the cat out of the bag until the movie comes out. Yeah. Or maybe it was something where like, um, what was the, um, Keanu Reeves had a cameo in something where he was never credited and he was in a full oh. gorilla suit or something. And, and only you find out later it was, um, Oh, it was a really weird movie. Shakes the clown. No, it was some, it was some terrible weird movie. Good weird movie. Uh, <laughs> with, um, who's the other guy from Bill and Ted? Uh, Alex winter. I some, do not the guy know. Who played, the guy who played Bill. Did a okay. really, really bizarre sci-fi horror-y movie with like mutant clowns and stuff. And I believe that Keanu Reeves was in that 
completely uncredited as just a favor or, or something fun to do for his friend. And I think he played like the werewolf boy or something. So he was just in total. Okay. So that, that could be a scenario where I'm just never allowed to ever admit that I was the wolf man or yeah. Catwoman or whatever, where I was in a bodysuit the whole time. So that would be tough if I could never say. I would I would let it out at some point, like whisper it on my deathbed. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was Wolfman. Be like, yeah. okay, close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to go now. <laughs> Which would be a harder secret to keep that you've never heard of cheese? Or that you've never heard of coffee. I, I'm thinking this is like a 50 first dates thing or something where like, I don't know. It's like no matter how many times someone tells you what cheese is, you can't retain it. So if someone brings up cheese or coffee, you're like, oh, you want to say like, what is that again? But you know, it's going to get a bad reaction. So you just have to pretend. I think I could pull off both of those. Okay. I think really? I, yes. I think I could. Well, because in that instance, it's not so much that it's a, I mean, I guess it's a secret, but it's more like playing off in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like that's something I've always been pretty good at. Like, oh, I mean, sure. Yeah, I did my homework. I just don't have it with me. Let me just, you know, riff my homework to you. And, you know, like, I think, I think that I could, I could ad lib is the, is the word I was thinking of. Yeah. I think I could, I think I could convince people that I had actually heard of cheese or coffee. Um, okay what if i were to say like oh my gosh i am in the mood for a slice of pizza i just i want to get some of that mozzarella cheese i I mean the the simplest thing is would be to just agree i mean i think that yeah oh yeah that sounds great that's how i like mine too and unless you were trying to trick me and you're you know say something you know oh man i would love to have you know watermelon bubble gum on my pizza like oh yeah me too like but yeah i would just fake it if i go along with whatever you said and you you probably could even if i did try to catch you and i go hey what do you mean you want watermelon i was joking you me too i mean that's just yeah yeah no you you can i think i think this is something i the specifics are different but i feel like i do this sort of thing (laughs) (laughs) so you're saying you're a big old liar in your normal life well you know i if i don't actually know what i'm talking about i can usually cover that up pretty well okay nice yeah Yeah, maybe we'd ask people after did you think he knew what that was no no mark clearly did not know (laughs) you just haven't asked i don't know Okay, um, so there is something that to me is very funny, but I feel like no one else really reacts to it like it's that funny. And I don't, I don't get it, but I'm thinking maybe you will be able to see the humor in it. So I'm hoping, please don't let me down. Some dogs have jobs that is it that is funny to me that a dog could have a fucking job please tell me that's funny to you it 
is having known some dogs, it's it's really weird. And it's weird that they're all the same species because they're so different. Um, mm-hmm. I had uh, Ross, who we never really gave him a job, but and we've I always felt like he was let down by that because he was mm-hmm. one of these dogs that was like, I want to know what I should be doing. And if I, <laughs> if I know what I should be doing, I feel safe and I feel good and responsible. Like I'm, my world is, is, is enclosed by boundaries. I understand. And this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And if it was left open-ended, he was stressed out or whatever. Um, like he, for whatever combination of breeds he was, he seemed like he wanted, you know, order and, and to, to understand what was expected of him. And then Dennis, who was a chow chow could not have given less of a shit about what anyone expected of him and he you know if you could try to give him a job and like he just he's his the only thing he cared about doing was whatever he felt like doing um mm-hmm. and they're both dogs but i mean and so i think i think there's some dogs that take to having jobs and that's what they're i guess bred to do um but it's a wild concept because yeah they're they're just animals but then again that's might be the wrong way to think of it just animals maybe lots of animals could have jobs if mm-hmm. if they were given the opportunity and maybe biden will help all these animals get jobs that's very true we don't know yet do we mm-hmm. no it's only, it's only day one you got to give them some time yeah. <laughs> so there are a lot of different types of jobs that dogs can have a lot of them involve sniffing things out right so it's like a, drugs cadavers, uh, animals, if they're like hunting dogs or something. So definitely a lot get that involved. And uh, some of them are just like they can, maybe this also has to do with their smell. I guess it probably does, but they can tell when there's like a medical emergency or something. That's crazy. Uh, Seeing eye dogs, of course, possibly well hunting might be the oldest dog profession but seeing eye dogs definitely up there i would say with one of the older ones yeah um there's dogs that are used in entomology and pest control to sniff out bed bug infestations or termite infestations i mean they can i just listened to a really cool podcast uh called in defense of plants and they were talking about using dogs to try to track uh, rare plants. And I mean, you could, you could sub in for plants, you could sub in truffles, you could sub in invasive, you know, murder hornet nests or whatever, like a dog doesn't care what the source of the smell is. So it could be an, oh. an invasive plant that you want to find to eradicate it. It could be like the last rare example of a plant that's going extinct and you give them the specimen from the museum and they smell it and then they, you can teach them to. And so, yeah, the whole they're being used in in forestry and biology and conservation and and all these things um and yeah they can smell if you've got cancer or about to have a a seizure yeah that's insane that's insane yeah no they can smell they're better at smelling than humans are at anything like they're they're you know, in the, in the chart of like, abil- in the chart of like <laughs> abilities of like sense of smell, sense of hearing, sense of sight, all of that, like dogs sense of smell is like off the, tr- it's, it's just insane. It's a superpower. Wow. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It that is really cool. Weird though. Like 
I always wondered. I claimed that I knew that it was true, but I think it was just my idea I came up with. But that that dogs don't care about good or bad in terms of mm-hmm. smell. Like they don't make a value judgment. They just appreciate oh. like quantity or novelty of smell. So like that's why, mm-hmm. like oh yeah, the the fresh, you know. Uh, tuna fish sandwich out of the freezer like or out of the fridge rather that's that's a great look oh so much tuna fish smell oh you know pile of shit dead possum <laughs> like this is the most smell i love it you know like <laughs> they don't they didn't they wouldn't have the same reaction to like bad or good smells it was just more or less or like new and interesting or familiar like because oh. i never saw a dog really react like oh that smell is you know yeah repulsive to me it was like "Ooh, that's repulsive like let me get closer that's true they they must not have any concept of good or bad with smell because it's i mean cats when they smell something bad like they make that little face that's mm-hmm. like Ugh. Uh, and dogs do not have a face like that they're like let me eat it like whatever yeah. it is. i want this on me like you know <laughs> yes oh that's really interesting um, I know that made me think of something else. Oh, I wonder like if dogs can smell like, I guess they probably can smell subtleties and things like almost like when someone drinks wine or something and you're just like, oh, a hint of this and a hint of that. Like, I wonder if they have any of that or it's purely just like, it's a smell. I think that they do have a really sophisticated, like they're very sensitive to smell, so they have more receptors or whatever. But I think that they also have like the part of their brain that's devoted to that is really good at interpreting because they they can like smell what mood you're in, or they can smell. I mean, again, oh. stuff like like oh yeah, you know, Mark's about to have a epileptic fit because his you know like I think there are I think they're sensitive to subtleties of smell, and then also concentration like. If you're a hunting dog oh. or a tracking dog, it's a as something is farther away from you, the smell molecules are less concentrated, and so you go toward as the you can orient by mm-hmm. what direction the smell gets stronger in, which is like a very subtle like oh, there's one part per million of truffle smell, and if I turn my head slightly to the left, it's two parts per million. Let's head left. And it'll gradually get stronger and stronger, that kind of that kind of thing. So Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like the idea that they wanna go towards it too. It's like very funny when you think about their motivation is just like to get to more smell. <laughs> They're like a little more this way. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And when you compare like dogs with jobs to cats with do- jobs. A cat with a job is always just like it sits in this shop or it's at the nursing home. And I've seen that where they say this cat sits with people who are going to die. And, you know, we didn't know they were going to die. But then anytime the cat sits with someone, they die. I wish there's something there. I don't know how certain What's the job they're executioner? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they're the Grim Reaper just deciding like, yeah, this one can go. She's a little irritating. The hospice hospice cat comes and... (laughs) Yes. You're ready for hospice when the cat comes. (laughs) 
And of course, dogs and cats are both actors and models, which is also funny. They act. That's hilarious. I mean, they don't. They're just there. <laughs> but I love it. I feel like that's definitely more true with cats because at the very least, again, I think dogs are very tuned into people's expectations of them and like mm. shifts in people's mood and stuff. So they, I could see them playing to a camera or playing to a reaction once they get a reaction doing something a certain way. Like, oh, everyone laughed or everyone, the energy, mm. everyone made a, the happy smell. <laughs> so I'm going to do that more. I'm going to, you know, spin around three times and, and, and you can get them to. I think they're more truly participatory and cats have to be sort of tricked into doing things or you have to just wait for them to do the thing when they feel like it totally it's i feel like it's similar uh with babies that are acting and stuff maybe how cats do where you just hope it works out because mm -hmm. so often when there's like a baby in a thing they'll just cover it up or make the crying sound even though you can see the baby is not crying like they're just like we can't make them do it which of course i mean i'm glad i'm glad they're not they're not forcing the babies to cry and stuff but that might be kind of what the cats are doing cats can learn tricks mm -hmm. But that's about it. I never thought about that with the dogs, though, that they might actually be reacting to others' reactions and it makes them more likely to... Yeah, you can definitely convince a dog that something is fun, that it wouldn't have thought was fun on its own. And that, that oh, whole yeah. thing with the with the ones that train the dogs to find, you know, like, oh, we're going to go find plants today. And the dog doesn't care anything about the plants or even what the activity is. But the reward is we're going to do something fun. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to, you know, mm -hmm. if you find the plant, I'll throw the ball for you. And it's like, oh, this is this is amazing. This is the best day I ever had. And so you can trick a dog into accepting something as fun that it yeah. has no reason to really give a shit about. Yeah, that's true. Um, are dogs used in war at all? Yeah. A lot, yeah. What do they do? Um, they will scout. Like now in modern war, I, I don't know the extent of it. I'm not super informed. But I know that like there was that hero dog that uh, Trump was giving a medal to or something. And then it, oh. and it kept referring to the dog as a he. And then the, the army was like, Oh, that dog's a she, <laughs> you know, like, but, uh, <laughs> but I think it was doing, you know, it was like wearing a GoPro and like scouting out the tunnels in Afghanistan. It was doing like real war soldier stuff. Wow. Um, and they, you know, they can sniff out like bombs and mines and drugs and, you know, the dogs get used in police stuff. Um, so yeah, I think I think they they become part of a team. It's like okay, well now you go sniff out that building and bark four times if there's a bad guy or I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah they they do. And then there's um, police dogs, which are called canines, and that is cute. <laughs> I wish it wasn't. Yeah, no, that's. <laughs> They got, okay, if the police have done one thing right, it is calling the cop dogs canines. Yeah. <laughs> Fully yeah, in support. Gotta go, gotta go begrudging, begrudging credit for that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I like that the dogs are involved, but I also get it because if I were committing a crime, the second a dog is chasing after me, I'm like, I give up. Can we just be done? Can we not? Because no, that seems right. very You can't scary. negotiate. You can't. Like, no. <laughs> you can't hide from them. I feel like you know you're getting caught once a dog is involved. Yeah. 
the other dog profession I wanted to bring up? Oh, astronaut dog. I don't know. I All I know is the one that they left on Mars or wherever. <laughs> I don't know. Or the moon. I don't know where they left that freaking dog to die. But <laughs> I'm sure there's other astronaut dogs too. Yeah. I, I don't know if I support that as being a job. I feel like those are victims. That's true. That's true. That's really not a job. Another one that I was like, is this a job? Is a dog in a dog fighting ring? It's like, is it an MMA dog or is it a dog trafficked situation? And I think it is more trafficking. I think dogs get into sports. I think dogs that do sports, I think they can like get into the idea of like, I want to run faster than all the dogs I'm next to for the greyhounds mm. or, you know, like they can get into that sense of like, I want to jump the farthest or I want to uh, win the dance contest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to be the fanciest dog. I think they can get a sense mm-hmm. for competition. So dogs that do sports, I would say that's a job they can sort of do and embrace. Yeah, that's interesting. And the, uh, the greyhound dogs, they like, get to retire and stuff right they're not like horses where if they get hurt they just get shot right i mean they it's a mix i think they're trying to be better now um i know some folks who have adopted former racing dogs racing greyhounds and they just were like okay well this one's done did it was a racer and it still had like its ear tag like tattoo of whatever and you could look up its racing history and stuff because there's all these legal things they have to do to document what happens with it i guess for breeding purposes but um but yeah it just retired and was like a lazy dog on their sofa and um once a day it would go out and run around their yard like insanely (laughs) fast for like 30 seconds and that would be the entire (laughs) exercise for the day (laughs) like so fast that it was almost like running up sideways on the wall um around their little yard and they're like yeah she's perfectly happy to just do that and then she will get back onto the bed and not move until tomorrow. <laughs> she's, she's done. Um, and she's just a sleepy, lazy old, lazy old greyhound. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's probably also exploitation and stuff in that. Yeah, probably. So thinking about all the possible dog occupations, which one do you think would have been best suited to Ross? He, hmm. he was very attentive and sort of in tune to your tone and and stuff. I like he was very quick to learn tricks and things. Um, but I think he also kind of felt like, like, did you did you see Karate Kid with like paint the fence? Like Mr. Miyagi was oh, yeah. you know, giving him chores to do. And then later it turned out those chores were secretly like the foundations of all the important karate moves. Mm. And I feel like Ross was always judging me like, okay, well, you've taught, you've taught me how to spin around. You've taught me how to shake. You've taught me how to, you know, roll over and all these things this is all bullshit. When do I get to do the real stuff? Like I did all this stuff and he was waiting for like the build to like mm-hmm. what his real job was going to be. I, I don't know what it, what it would have been, but I think that he was like, okay, yeah, this is like, I, I've learned my ABCs. I've learned, you know, like, <laughs> but this is clearly trivial. <laughs> like there is nothing, nothing, 
what's the point of me rolling over or what's the point of me doing any of this? Give me something that's that's useful. And I never I never really did. So I feel like you I never let, gave I him, him down. the karate. No, he exactly. Was waiting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um so yeah, I don't know, but but it, he could have probably handled some pretty sophisticated sort of decision making type jobs. He would have been a good seeing eye dog, I think. Oh yeah, okay, I could see that. Probably, n- he was a little neurotic, um, so I wonder maybe about that side of it. Of like, mm. he just he'd be like, "No, we're not getting on the subway. Like that, that thing's loud. <laughs> like, no, nope, we're walking. <laughs> we're walking. Sorry, uh, it's not safe to go on the subway. We're turning here. Like, no, no, I want to get on the subway. Like, nope, we're not doing it. Just because he didn't like it and, and got freaked out in crowds and stuff." Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's a funny idea too. Like, if you had like, like one of the dogs that detects seizures, if they're like really anxious, they're like, "You might have one." <laughs> they're just spinning. We don't know. Right. No. Better go to the. We're. I think better safe than sorry. Let's go to the hospital. <laughs> just get it checked. <laughs> and Dennis, nothing. He could not have done any of these things. Dennis did learn tricks. He was very smart okay. and he was, he was willing if you could pr- convince him that it was like, he, he was very prepared to tune out bullshit. And so, mm-hmm. but if he thought it was fun, he, um, chow chows are sp- sort of notoriously stubborn and hard to train and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, willful. And he was all of that, except that if you, he was motivated or thought it was interesting, he could learn tricks just fine. He wouldn't always do them on command, but he knew them. Um, and we got him puzzles, like dog, like a, we got him a puzzle. Okay. I think I, you, you probably saw a video I posted one time. Um, it was a puzzle where you would, uh, it was like blocks, cups that fit into circular holes on a platter that would spin around and you could hide treats under the cups but the platter mm. wouldn't spin around until you'd removed all the cups and he loved it and you could and you could make it much harder by like only having one treat but you had to remove all the cups to get mm. to it and, all, and, and he he really really enjoyed that so i think he had the mental sophistication to do different jobs but um he would have to independently find it worth doing mm-hmm. um we tried to get him like licensed or or it was really more about getting us licensed to to have him be a therapy dog because he was so calm and so fluffy and <laughs> uh late in his life he was a cancer survivor and had his leg amputated and all of that so we thought that would be like a motivational thing for him to go to like the children's hospital that kind of thing but the uh and he was great for it because he, he was truly very calm um but we could not go through the rigmarole. <laughs> um, mm. My wife and I were uh, the people who control that process in the town that we lived in were tyrannical. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was like sort of the, I don't know, I guess what's the, what's the right way to think of it? Like the extremely petty authority of running like the hobby club. Mm-hmm. And it was like, Oh, well, sorry, we only, you know, you didn't fill out page three of the form and we really needed you to do that to get your place in the training queue 
I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll fill it right, right now. Well, like, no, but you already lost, sorry, but you already lost your spot in the, in the queue because we needed you to have filled it out when you handed it to us this morning. And then we were just like, fuck you. And, you know, Dennis, greater, greater. And Dennis is like, I don't, I don't, I don't bite people. I'm trying. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we flamed out on that, but he would have been wonderful at it. Um, yeah. So a job like that where you just have to be fuzzy and comforting is he could have done. Yeah. That. He'd have been good at that. I'm wondering, I can kind of picture him like on a surfboard. Do you think he could have done that? Yes. Yes, he's very, yeah. very stable. <laughs> he had very good, very good balance. Um, I think so. Surfing or, or skateboarding. Yeah, Ross would not have put up with that. He, no. like, we, 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 Ross got to go on a boat a couple times. And once he got to go on a floating dock where it was like, you know, the dock is fastened to the land on one end, kind of at a hinge. And then as the water level in the lake goes up and down, the dock can go up and down. And so when you're walking on it, it, it moves just a very tiny amount. And he hated it, hated it. And he <laughs> thought we were trying to kill him. Um, like he ran out onto the dock and then he felt it move and he hunkered down, like he gripped all of it. It was very funny oh. photo of him with like, like the cartoonish, his nails were into the wood of the dock and oh he was like God. laying flat because it, it was a betrayal. Aww. Like he had the expectation that this is a solid piece of construction and it moved. And then it's like, well, my whole, everything could be fake. <laughs> <laughs> I can't trust anything. Oh no. Um, yeah. Oh, that's very cute. Yeah. So he would not surfboard. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> no if it, if he was like, this is a board. I know what boards do. And then like, if it started to like, <laughs> do anything counter to his expectations he was he would never forget it he would never go near another board again in his life yeah yeah rightfully so <laughs> okay talk to me a bit about botany twitter <laughs> okay <laughs> You have a lot of uh, Twitter interests that, like, I didn't even know this stuff existed. These, like, huge communities of, like, bug people and plant people. And I don't know. It just, it seems kind of cool. So, like, how did you find that? And, like, is there more to it? Like, do you talk to these people, like, uh, you know, try to get together, like, bug chats or something? Not to that level of like actually coordinating any sort of real life anything um so i came pretty recently into twitter uh through interest in comedy stuff and like trying to follow and support people that i you know listen to the comedy podcast and be like oh i'm gonna follow this person and that way there'll be some tangible like they went on the podcast i liked then they got a follower maybe they'll come back you know that kind of just to participate in that sort of cycle of exposure or whatever um and didn't know how to use twitter for like the first year or so and then um once i figured out that if you follow that it's based on what gets fed to you is based on who you choose to follow and so uh, I realized that, like, oh, well, I, I don't want to see a lot of people arguing about the news. I want to see a little bit of that, but only carefully curated people who don't, won't make me crazy. 
but if I want to see cool pictures of animals or videos of exotic places, then follow wildlife photographers and they post really cool stuff. And, and, um, and then just from being in academic entomology, that was probably the, the way in was following people that I knew. Um, and then seeing who they follow and like, oh, this person retweeted this really awesome picture of a spider that some third person took. I'm going to follow that third person and then see who they follow. And um, and I got into uh, fish Twitter, which is not, I'm not a fish person, except in the very abstract sense of like, I'm kind of every kind of natural, I'm interested in every kind of natural thing, but I, I don't have any history with fish. Um, but... I stumbled across a weekly drawing prompt, the Sunday fish sketch. And I had just sort of been at loose ends with doing drawing. I was like, oh, that's sure. Yeah, I got a good fish sketch that I did once. Like someone commissioned me to do an illustration. And so I've, I happen to have a really good sketch I'm proud of. I'm going to participate by kind of cheating and showing this quasi-professional piece that I did years prior. And it got a lot of great you know, interaction and people followed me and I was, so I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so then I started actually doing the fish sketches. And so then I got a bunch of followers in fish Twitter and followed a bunch of them back. <laughs> and then last winter I started, I saw someone commented about how they had so many old photos of like moss and mushrooms on their phone, just from, you know, you take a nature walk and, or just walk around the neighborhood and you have your phone, you take a picture of cool moss you see and then what do you do with it? It just sits on your phone. And so they're like, I got to clear out hundreds of pictures of moss off my phone. And so they set up, they're like, well, maybe I'll do a daily moss hashtag and I'll just post a picture every day. And I interacted with them because that literally was exactly a description of me and my phone. Just <laughs> so many photos of, you know, oh, here's a cool pebble. I'm going to take a picture of it with nothing to to do with the picture. You know, what do you do once you have a picture of a cool pebble? <laughs> um, yeah. Other than just kind of keep it there until your phone runs out of room and delete it. So I started participating in the daily moss uh, offloading pictures from my phone, which then led to me actively going out and finding more moss. Um, and that got me kind of into the mushroom and lichen and moss realm. And yeah, I would say Twitter is for me now like 80% really fun and engaging and only 20%. To like doom scrolling and and whatever <laughs> um because i've managed to curate it down to where it's all these like fish photographers and insect museum curators who post like a cool specimen every day or um yeah so that, that that's that's i had a couple specific instances i can think of that drew me in but then from there it just branches mm -hmm. out because people recommend other people yeah, it's 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 really funny, you know. Like Twitter will show you things that friends have commented on and stuff. So every once in a while, I'll just see some like bug thing or whatever that you've commented on, and it's always like so funny, like to see you interacting with all these other people who are very very interested in the thing you're really interested in. Because um, you know there will be things like I think this was when that you posted yourself, but it was like um, you brought that a caterpillar in the <laughs> cocoon you like left it in your house and then yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my my most viral tweet yeah because i uh yeah i just forgot that i brought the cocoon in and then i found i looked up and there was a gigantic moth 
on my bookshelf. I was like, oh, right. That guy came out <laughs> from, yes. from, from several months ago when I just left a cocoon sitting on the kitchen counter. And then, you know, you forget about it as you do. And um, As you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I loved that because there were like so many comments of other people being like, oh, my God, like relatable. Like that's happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Or like I think you posted like um, a bunch of different little plants or leaves or something that you just like had in your house somewhere that you're like, oh, I'm meaning to catalog these or something. And someone else is like, oh my God, that's exactly what my kitchen counter looks like or whatever. I was like, oh my God, how are there so many marks in the world? There's a lot. Well, and and once you immerse yourself in that world, it feels like that's everyone, you know, kind of as you, yeah. your balloon, your bubble or whatever of like, yeah, to me, most people, their favorite thing is to go on Twitter and if someone finds a really cool stick that has the moss growing on it, they've got to like run home and post about it. And like, yeah, that's awesome. I, I want to see your stick. And then I also have a stick I want to show you. Um, <laughs> and it, and it's really affirming to, to find out that like, there's, there's like seven other people out there, like stick, cool stick. Twitter is a thing. And um, yeah, it's so my, my only this is an extreme exaggeration, but my only celebrity friend, uh, I was invited to be on Johnny Pemberton's podcast oh, yeah. a, a, a while back because he just wanted to talk to an entomologist and I volunteered. And, and so he followed me then and I had presumed that he would follow me and then mute me so that he wouldn't have to see all the pictures of spiders and stick. <laughs> but every so often I'll post a picture of a mo- and it's always a picture of moss. And every so often I'll just be like, oh, yeah, here's here's some moss. Here's my moss from today. and you know, there's the little heart will pop up. Johnny Pemberton likes <laughs> like this moss, so he does. He's he's different. for the people who aren't in that world, yourself, and you know, people that I know not through science but through you know online community of people who listen to podcasts or or do comedy stuff. Um, I my hope is that it will be like I don't know what your Twitter feed is if it's you know therapy. Twitter and <laughs> I don't, or pictures of, it's of only jokes. Or, or, or jokes. But yeah, so then yeah. every once in a while, if I'm your only moss friend, then you'll be like, oh, that is a kind of a cool stick. I don't have a whole lot of people uh-huh. in my life who show me, you know, the, the pebble and the acorn out of their pocket. <laughs> so maybe, yeah. maybe for some people it is uh, presumably maybe Johnny Pemberton or, or, or whatever. He doesn't get to see a lot of moss. So for him, it brightens his day a little bit. Yeah, it is cool. I like seeing it. And I like all the uh, passion from the other people, too. It's like, I don't know, it's like when you take a class and the professor really loves the subject, you know, when you can tell they're like passionate about talking about it and introducing you to all these cool things that they love. Like, I don't know, it's just like a an infectious sort of excitement even though you don't know about it <laughs> you know right so. i'm very susceptible to that which is i think why i do enjoy that so much because someone will show me or someone will show me i will see a tweet of something cool that someone's excited about and i will immediately be like i'm dropping everything i am now <laughs> fuck all the training i've done i'm a jellyfish scientist now that's the coolest <laughs> thing i've ever seen i only care about jellyfish starting now that's awesome <laughs> Um, so I, I mean, that's been, I guess, a blessing and a curse because I have lots of enthusiasms, but it is hard to 
stay in one lane one <laughs> my my i'm the i'm the guy with his head turning meme of <laughs> like, like you know and then the angry girlfriend is moss and the you know the the the, the hot you know tempting other one is like you know archaeology <laughs> what <laughs> So, yeah. Are you kidding me? You're supposed to be into moss. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's I I'm similar like at least in college like anytime I had one of those really passionate professors I would always end up being like maybe that's what I want to do. And it was like anthropology and chemistry and biology and just everything reels you in when you're talking to someone who's passionate about it. So. Yes. It's cool. I appreciate seeing the bugs and and the plants and the moss and the sticks. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder about should I put a disclaimer of like sometimes I will retweet spiders. Like I know there's some things people are phobic about mm. or, or really don't like, but I I assume that they just see one and then are like, okay, Mark, you're my friend, but I don't need to ever see anything you post again. And it's like you Which know, is fine. You, yeah, I think people would probably get over. It. I feel like the only things that are like so bad where I'll stop following someone is like. Um, if they put <laughs> one person posted a photo of their dead baby, um, it was like, a it's been four years since my baby died sort of thing or something. And it was like, Whoa, um, it just looked like a doll. And I was like, what is this doll? That's the baby. Um, so that I was like, don't want to see this. Um, someone, um, I follow a lot of like, uh, kitten rescue things on Instagram so sometimes people will post like, I don't mind seeing if they, they say they're, they're sick or they're hurt or something and they show it, but sometimes they'll be like, I went to check on these kittens and some of them were dead and post pictures of the dead ones. And that's another thing that's just, I guess, dead stuff. Well, there's nothing <laughs> left to be done. So it's just. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's weird. That's so true. There's, you're not doing anything helpful here. It's only like painful. I just have to be part of the pain that you're feeling now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I like spider pictures. So I don't know what people who don't like it. I don't know how they feel if it's like a deep, like, ah, well, maybe I'm misunderstanding, but my assumption is that's what the mute button is for. If you don't want to actually unfollow someone, you know, like I, people i guess get offended if if you unfollow them and, and you're their friend mm. but you can just be like well yeah i'm not i still follow this person our association is legitimate i don't disavow them but if i mute them then i don't you know i can i can reply to them or they can reply to me but if they post stuff i won't show up on my thing that's my assumption of how that works yeah and so I, if it was really upsetting to see the spiders they could right. do that and some people are i mean i've encountered people and i've, I've worked with people uh who truly like I did like if you did a drawing of a spider they'd be like get that out of here like I can't <laughs> I, I I made a spider once out of and, and this person was trying very hard to get better about it and and it was a volunteer who was helping us with some field research in the swamps in Louisiana where there are many spiders and many extremely big spiders um, and they were trying to be very brave and they were very brave but it was the kind of thing of like somebody like m- just said like, oh, there's a spider by your bed. And she, you know, freaked out mm-hmm. and, and had to switch beds. She couldn't, like, it was that level. I made a spider out of two sets of um, banana bunches to make the legs. And then oh, like, I made a body out of like a mango and make eyes out of grapes and little, fa- you know, fangs out of baby carrots. And, uh-huh. and I was very proud of it. And it was, you know, it, it was fun. And um, and she did not 
abuse, like take that apart, put the bananas the right way. I don't want to look at this because it just made her think of wow. spiders. And it was not, she yeah. was not being a dramatic. She really was phobic. Yeah. That's that's interesting. And what's uh what's kind of funny and <laughs> sad for people if you have like a phobia or a lot of anxiety stuff, the only way to really get over it is to face it. So right now a big thing is like all like trigger warnings for a lot of different things. And to a degree it is legitimate because if you haven't gone to therapy for these things, it really may be very upsetting to see a spider or a reminder of some traumatic thing that happened to you. But at the same time, you like kind of have to learn to deal with it eventually. And that's the only way to make it not so upsetting is that you see it, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I think I I talked to someone who was, who was going through that process and was very purposefully trying to engage. She was like, okay, I'm ready. Mark, you're my friend. I want you to show me a centipede. And I was like, are you sure you're ready for a centipede? She's like, no, I talked to my therapist. I've seen a picture of a snake. I, I saw a picture of a spider. I even held a spider. I'm wow. ready. But like spiders are like my, you know, tier three, you know, my tier one fear is centipedes. So I'm ready mm. for you to show me a picture of a centipede. And I was like, okay, well, this is great. You know, I can find you. I can tell you about how it's not that dangerous and how, you know, all these things. And then I'll show it to you. And she's like, let's do it. And it was, it was with the coaching. I mean, it was, she was, she was wow. doing what you, what you described, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like really fun work to do with someone too. <laughs> and I love when it is like you start with maybe even picturing it in your mind or you start with the picture and then you move on to a video and then you move on to like holding the picture and it seems so silly, but it really is like a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All right. This is my last game for you. Okay. So you have a big family. That's true. So I figure you probably have met everyone in your family at least once, right? So you may be like, <laughs> no, by no, no means, no. Um, <laughs> my brothers and sisters are reproducing like crazy, and mm. I haven't been able to get home in a while for the same reasons as everyone else. Um, so I'm pretty sure, and I, I mean, I honestly don't know how many nieces and nephews I have at this point. <laughs> um, partly because they're you know, being produced so fast, but also that I don't get to actually meet them. And, you know, so I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure that yeah. I have several, I have several, maybe three or four nieces and nephews I haven't met. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, get on it. Yeah. No, we need a, we need a family. <laughs> I went to my sister's wedding two summers ago, maybe. And that was the last time I was like together with everybody. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm quite sure there's been several new babies since then okay well i guess we need covid to get out of here and then you can have your family reunion and meet all the babies and you know maybe not remember their names or anything because it is hard with little babies but (laughs) i've met all my brothers and sisters and i've met okay parents and step parents and grandparents okay so confidently say that i think i've met all my aunts and uncles as well Okay. So I think most of these will apply to adults anyway. So you should be pretty good then. Okay. So who in your family is most likely to buy a boat? 
my brother Charlie did buy a boat. So I would say him. But also my uncle Stuart bought a boat. And also there's several boats in the family. This is cheating. <laughs> who would buy a boat who doesn't have a boat, okay? Um, hmm. And you can include yourself also. All these questions, it can be you. Okay. I have a very nautical family. My stepfather was a sailor. My father was a sailor. Wow. And they, everyone except me went to St. John's College, which is on the, the Chesapeake Bay in Annapolis, and they all did sailing. So there's wow. a, lot of, a lot of boating in the family. But, a bunch um, of Popeyes in yes, your family. My younger brother, Johnny, has a t- tattoo of Popeye. <laughs> oh, my God. You are not going to believe what my next question okay. is. Who in your family is most likely to get a tattoo of a cartoon character? My brother Johnny has a tattoo of Popeye. <laughs> what? This is crazy. <laughs> yep. Good. Yes. So that one, I know the answers to these. When my brother Charlie did buy a boat and he sailed it, uh, he sailed it through the Caribbean for a while and then sold it, um, which is kind of a wow. thing that people can do, I guess, where the market for boats is so different in different places like in Annapolis everyone sails so if you have a boat to sell you can get a good price for it so people will buy a crappy old boat in Miami where there's all these you know the drug drug pin kingpin goes to jail you can buy a boat at the police auction fix it up sail it to Annapolis and then sell it and so my brother basically sailed a boat from Florida up to Annapolis and then sold it so he didn't have it for very long but he did have it it's like boat flipping Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely like Wow, I wonder if there's a show about that yet. If sure not, it makes total yeah. sense because, like, you look at like housing markets. It's like, oh man, if if only I could take this house that's fifty thousand dollars in some podunk town and drive it to it, right. or drive it to whatever. And with boats, you can like, oh well, you can buy it cheap in this market, and it's a vehicle, so you can take it to where it's right. worth yeah. more. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Okay, I'm going to get into boat flipping then. <laughs> Who in your family is most likely to drop an open tub of mayonnaise? There's a couple contenders for this. Um, I once deliberately dropped a squeeze bottle of ketchup. <laughs> oh, no. Deliberately? Um, well, I think, did you cut out? You're frozen on the screen here. Oh, you're back. Okay, there we go. I don't know what the heck happened. You deliberately dropped a squeeze bottle. Because I was having an argument about whether this was when they changed from having glass bottles of ketchup to having the plastic squeezy ones. And I was having an argument about, well, of course they're not breakable. That's the whole point of going from a glass container to a plastic container. It's shatterproof. It's like, that's why you would do it. And so I just mm-hmm. pulled it out, you know, at shoulder height and just dropped it. And it shattered and the lid flew up and it sh- squirted ketchup all over the ceiling and made a huge mess in the kitchen. So I did that. Oh my God. Um, I, I love that you did like prove yourself wrong in the moment though, because that could have just continued with you for years going, yes, they, blah, blah, you know, without really knowing. But you were like, let's find out if I'm right. No, I'm not so sorry. <laughs> I told that story to my best friend, John, 
and he, it turns out, had done the exact same thing arguing with his sister. <laughs> and he had also, he had dropped a, uh, he was like, like, no, of course it doesn't, of course it's not going to break. Why, why would you change it to plastic and still have it be breakable? They make, oh my they God. make plastic. I still think it's ridiculous. It's a, it's trickery. Like, why wouldn't you, if you're yeah. comfortable, plastic, why would you make it still be breakable? This is maybe an opportunity for a new subsect of Twitter, like deliberately dropped plastic ketchup bottle Twitter. You might find out there's been actually even more than you and Jeff. Yes, probably so. <laughs> and my Aunt Kitty famously um, went to shake the container of salad dressing and there was no lid on it. And so she <laughs> dressing all over the... Um, <laughs> So, I love it. Me or possibly Aunt Kitty. Okay. <laughs> All right. Who in your family is more likely to get really mad at an animal? Like they're at a zoo maybe and they're like, that monkey, duh. Or they like step in dog poop or something. They're like, oh my God, this fucking dog. Like sincerely angry about something an animal's done. There are a few hotheads. Um, I feel like maybe my stepdad because sometimes he would just get mad to the point where he's like I don't care that it doesn't understand I'm just pissed and like couldn't disassociate from being mad to recognize that disassociate is probably not the right word but like yeah he couldn't disengage from being mad when he intellectually recognize that the animal was not mm-hmm. to blame that is yeah that's dad energy stepdad and like and, yelling at the computer yeah. like well the computer should know what i want that kind of, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. getting mad at the computer it leaves nothing it is only responsible <laughs> to the inputs you gave it so <laughs> right. you being mad at it won't change anything can't change anything the computer could not have done something wrong so then he's like, no, no, yes. it should know. It should know what I meant when I clicked this button that I meant. This <laughs> so that's, that's what I would say is, is, is probably the closest thing. Maybe that's the problem. A lot of like the older people who get mad at technology, they actually are just living further in the future. They need even better technology. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're trying to advance us forward and we've been looking at it the wrong way. Right. Yes. They think it, they think <laughs> the singularity was like, the first time in the seventies, it's like, no, this, you know, they saw one and the, you know, Hal shutting the guy out of the airlock. It's like, yeah, that's what computers are like. You can argue with them; they can be stubborn. Yeah, yeah, It'd be a lot more fun that way, I guess. Okay, who in your family is most likely to start a cult? Probably. Maybe my brother Johnny again, the one with the Popeye tattoo. Um, That's maybe unfair. He had some very interesting ideas about trying to learn about longevity and like how to live longer and like he he may, okay. he may, this may I'm remembering several years back he may have moved on to 
other enthusiasms but but he was very interested in like the scientific basis of like well why do we have to get older like what's happening at a cellular level what's happening at a organ systems level he was very very interested in in this and and to a, a very intense degree and so i could see that being the basis of a cult not that he would be interested to start one but um i could see that enthusiasm leading to people wanting to you know like yeah sign me up we're all gonna live forever i i am already in and then here's the reason i do think this is interesting and one thing i've thought about is you know there's that disease progeria that makes people age really rapidly so kids die when they're 18 or something horrific and they look like, like they're 90 like they have the yes and they look yeah. like they're 90 so if that exists can't the reverse also happen to slow down aging? Is that not? We've seen what happens no, with you... Benjamin Button. You get smaller <laughs> and smaller, and then you disappear when you become a baby. Yeah, that's true. I guess we've seen it. <laughs> There's no way. We worked through the scenario. <laughs> I don't know. I um, I think it could be cool. Tell your brother to keep researching. Mm-hmm. I think his Popeye tattoo actually has something about living forever. Like in a, like the little, there's like a little flag that going, you know, like the sailors, like where you'd normally say mom or something like the heart with the mom or whatever. It has something in Latin about living forever. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know. I hope he gets his wish, but then I hope it's not like that. Uh, was it Twilight Zone or yeah. Tales from the Crypt? something one of those like, shows <laughs> the monkey's paw ironic twist of like you live forever and all your friends are dead and your glasses break and you can't read your books and yeah yeah i saw one where a, a woman wished that her husband uh would be alive again and he'd already been dead and filled with formaldehyde and everything so he woke up and he was just like screaming Ow! in pain yeah. yeah and she ended up like cutting him up into a bunch of little pieces and he's still alive like the little pieces so that's i don't want that to happen to your brother okay no. so just tell him to be careful all right all right <laughs> all right and one last who do you think would be most likely to buy a fake van gogh or some other famous artist thing where they're like i got a deal and it's like they were scammed they were scammed probably me really yeah i uh i have gotten lots of actual good deals where like i find something that actually is really cool and interesting and has uh, like mostly it was scientific equipment i've I've managed to salvage and and rescue a bunch of old scientific equipment that it turns out is is a valuable and b functional and and worth keeping but i feel like anytime i go to like an estate sale or an antique you know, a secondhand store or anything. I'm like, oh yeah, that looks fancy and old. And what, you know, that's totally worth, you know, and then I get home and I'm like, oh, this is plywood. And it's been, you know, it came from pier one. And I've been, (laughs) so I I think that, I think that my, my, I don't have enough uh, diligence about actually learning to tell if something is Mm -hmm. as old and cool and, and potentially valuable as it seems like it is. In that specific but, context, I I have a lot of enthusiasm, and, and and in the moment, I'm like, this looks like a valuable antique. I'm gonna, you know, and, and it's and it turns out to suck. It is it is risky to make those guesses. I remember 
when I used to sell a lot of stuff online, it was usually just like video games or something, Mm -hmm. but I was just selling a lot of stuff online. And my dad was like, I want to get involved in this. So he would be like, I went to the flea market. I bought, you know, Madden 97 for $6. Can you do something with this? Like, please stop guessing. No, I I can pay someone three more dollars to take it away. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's terrible, terrible at guessing what games. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So at least you're trying to find stuff that looks that looks old, but, but some of these shabby chic items can really fool you. <laughs> yes. I mean, I guess, you know, in, if it's something that you're just getting for yourself to enjoy, does it really matter? You know, if, yeah. I, if I still look at True. it, I'm like, Oh, that's, a, that's still a cool piece of furniture or whatever. But, but in the sense of like, Oh yeah, I totally thought that was a famous painter thing. And it was actually, you know, yeah. you scrape I paid the top 1.5 off and million playing, <laughs> poker underneath and someone. <laughs> you know what? Worth it. Who's to say that's not a masterpiece? Who decides one masterpiece? Heck yeah, dogs playing an, an original dog playing poker is probably worth a lot these days. I hope so. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Mark. Sure, I'm happy to do it. Um, yeah, it was awesome having you on. I tell your wife I'm sorry that this is so late and whatever, but you know it's what. That's what happens. That's what we had to do. So no, it's fine. We we stay up late all the time. We're gr- oh, okay. we're grown ups now. No one can tell us when to go to bed, and so that's <laughs> <laughs> rebellion. We're still doing it. We're we're living the dream, kids. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy your night. Don't go to sleep. All right. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.